So I'm curious, how many of you know someone right now that's a little bit, a little bit difficult to love? A little bit difficult. Raise your hands. Don't point to them. Just raise your hands. Okay, good. All right, some of you are shy, but I know it's true, right? It's interesting. We thought 2020 was going to be that year, but 2020 rolls into 2021, and it's made even more of them, possibly, for some of us. Have you noticed that? You come to this time of year normally, just a regular Christmas season, and you get a little bit difficult in your family, right? You have a few of them. Maybe you met with them this last uh, Thanksgiving. It can be complicated, and yet a year like we've had adds a few extra nuts on the top of the Sunday, doesn't it? All right, maybe that was unfair, but it was funny. Experts say it's going to take decades before we fully understand the impact of COVID is having on all sorts of different things, not just our physical lives, but our spiritual lives, our mental health, our relationships, and early indications say that it's not good. There's all the complications with school, and boy, do I feel it when I hear a parent going, I'm having to do these, these calisthenics that I've never had to do before to get my kids to school or stay home with them. It goes to families and marriages and relationships, all of these things. What are the two things you never talk about at the dinner table or the rules usually, you know, with loved ones? You don't talk about religion, maybe one of those. Politics is another one of those. But we've added a third one. Have you noticed that one? Science. Now, everybody is an expert in science because they watched two YouTube videos. It's just incredible. And they've listened to a few podcasts. And now you take these three and you just put them into the mix of everything else. And wow, it's totally disruptive. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of weird. How many of you have somebody who's really difficult to love right now? I mean, think about it. Now, after I've named those three, you went, oh, yeah, there's a few more. <laughs> It's incredibly complicated. Somebody has said that we're in the age of perpetual offense. Uh, people right now, they're quick to become angry. Ang angry? <laughs> Honest, we're not going cartoonish. <laughs> they're quick to judge. They're quick to call foul. They're quick to be incredibly offended. You hurt me. You wrong me, and I'm going to cancel you, right? It, if you're continually on the search to be offended, friend, you will always find what you're looking for. You will always find what you're looking for. I promise you, you're always going to be hurt. You're always going to be offended. You're always going to be wrong. You're always going to be angry. And you'll always find what you're looking for. The challenge is, is there is no absolute when in living offended at all. I've never met a single person who said something like this. My life is such, so much more productive because I'm just angry everywhere I go, right? I've never heard that. I've never heard anyone say the quality of my life is so much better, right? We need to recognize that being offended is inevitable. But living offended is a choice. It's a choice, friends. As followers of Christ, we choose wisely. We will choose wisely. And we're in this, diff we're in this message called peace, 
But today's title, if you didn't already know, is Difficult People. And we're going to seek God for some true relational peace from Jesus, who is our peace. So would you pray with me? Father, we ask that in the same way we've loved you, that you would help us to love others, showing your grace, your mercy. And God, I ask not just for physical miracles, but I ask for relational miracles. Wherever marriages or family or friendships have been strained by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you bring healing, wholeness, forgiveness, and restoration in those relationships today? We pray this in the one who is our peace, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. Are you ready for a tough scripture today? Are you ready? It's Romans 12. Good. That's great. Incredibly easy to read, difficult to live. This is what the Apostle Paul said. So if you've got anybody who's difficult to love right now, Paul said this. You may stay seated today. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Let's start off at the beginning. Paul says this. He says, bless those. He says, bless those who persecute you. Why would he say, bless those who are mean to you, bless those who are short with you, bless those who disagree with you? He says, bless those who persecute you. And what does this mean? It's from this Greek word, euglego, euglego. It means to speak well of or to wish the best blessings, to wish the best blessings. Well, the word, it comes from there, It's this idea of literally to speak well of someone. I want you to think about this. To speak well of and wish the best blessings for someone who is rude to you. Now think about that. Uh, Speak well of and wish the best blessings for somebody who betrays you. Bless those who persecute you. Now I, I don't know about you, but it's really easy for me to bless those who bless me. But it's pretty difficult for me to bless those who make it difficult for me. It's easy for someone who's blessing to be nice to someone who's nice, to be generous to somebody who's generous. It's incredibly difficult, though, when someone offends you, when someone's harsh to you, when someone belittles you, someone leaves you out or hurts your feelings or betrays you to bless them. But Paul gives us very specific, very direct command. And in the Greek language, his command is what is called a present imperative. A present imperative, that means to do what you're told and to keep doing it, no matter what. It's not a one-time action. Very literally, Paul, when Paul said, bless those who persecute you, you could translate it being continually a blessing to those who are continually a problem. That's what he's saying. Uh, but, and he, he doesn't say just for a solid five seconds, because that's most of what most of us have. Right? Yet Paul is giving us this imperative, being inspired by, the Holy, by, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that we as followers of Jesus who are solidly following him are to be a continual blessing to those who are a continual problem. Now, how do we do that? How do we do this? Romans 12, we have to understand the, Roman, the context. And I want to go to the very first verse in this chapter. This is 
what gives us the context and that sets us up how we love people that are so difficult for us to love. He says this in the first verse, in view of God's mercy, God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. So let me ask you, how merciful has God been to you? How much has he forgiven you? And you didn't deserve it. How much has he blessed you beyond what you've earned? In view of that, in view of God's goodness to you, in view of God's grace to you, Paul tells us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Interesting phrase. In view of who God is and what he's done to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I love this. If you want to worship God, worshiping God isn't just the songs. It's the life we live. Or in other words, worshiping God is the life of living and loving God and all people. There's no other way. Loving people as we have been loved is a spiritual act of worship. And how do we do this? As a living sacrifice. Now, it does seem like a contradiction of terms, doesn't it? Right? Think about a living sacrifice. When When they thought of sacrifices then, and when we sometimes think about sacrifices now, we think of them as being dead. They're offered and they die. Right? Think about this. Anytime an animal is sacrificed, if you, were, if you could talk to the animals, how many of the little lambs would say, you know, I'm, I'm ready to have my throat slit, right? I mean, none of them. None of them would. But there was one. But there was one. No one takes my life, Jesus said. I lay it down. How do we love others? We lay down our natural responses. We lay down our selfish desires. We die to ourselves so that Christ can love others through us. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, but nevertheless I live. But, But it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. How do we love? It's not you. It's Jesus. It's Jesus living through you. You you die to you. You allow Christ to live through you. In view of what God has done, I let Christ love me and love through me. Paul goes on to say in verse 16 of Romans 12, I live in harmony with one another. A great verse when you go to the mall, right? Live in harmony with one another. He says, do not be proud. He says, do not be conceited. Do not be proud and conceited. Let let me say this again. Do not be proud and conceited. You know how this is translated in the Greek language? Yeah, you're right. It means do not be proud and do not be conceited. But everywhere we go, pride and conceit lives, even in this room. Even in this room. In fact, maybe even more so in recent days than we've ever seen in the church. We've dug in our heels. We're saying, I'm right, I'm right. I've watched all four of the videos and I'm right, right? 
we're biased because of what we listen to and where we go. The ideologies have swerved us out of or off the road with Jesus. Listen to me. Jesus didn't tell, didn't tell us to be right. Jesus told us to be loving. To be loving. He told us to be loving. He didn't say the world was going to know us by how, how correct we are. He said the world would know us by our love. Friends, we just need to relax Inside this room and those who are listening now and listen in the future, we just need to relax and listen far more than we do. To hear people from different views, whether it be politically, medically, scientifically, and educationally. Ours is not to be right. Ours is to be loving. Now, notice I did not tell you to change your views. God, that's between you and the Lord. We are to be loving. Our response is to be one of gracious and compassionate. If we have a difficulty visualizing someone who is born in another part of the world around a totally different way of thinking with different parents and different skin color and perhaps different friends and different environmental situations, friends, we need to rethink it. We're in a star, sorry state of affairs because we're only thinking out of our selfish own view and vantage point. When people lit talk, don't listen to respond. Listen, don't listen to correct. Listen to understand. Listen to love. We start with grace and we lead towards truth. We can't understand another perspective your impact is always going to be limited. We're followers of Christ. We have to be bigger than the world around us. And God, by God's grace and with his help, we can. Counselor explains it this way. You're going to face conflict. And you're going to face misunderstandings. And you're going to face differences and of perspectives. You know why? Because you don't understand. That's why. It's, our brains are biologically wired to protect or defend our way of thinking, our way of thought, our way of doing things. If so, if someone is unkind with you or short or has a different opinion about something, we have this tendency in our brains, did you know this, to make up a story to fill in the gaps. We do this all the time. For example, if I'm short with you, or if I'm late, with, or, I'm late or I do something wrong, or I, I, I tend to judge myself by whose intentions? My own. Guess who gives me grace? I do, right? But if you do the same to me, if I'm not careful, I tend to judge you by different sets of standards. We become, in that moment, can I just use a four-letter word? It's a safe one. We become a jerk. Because we're not allowing the same set of standards to be applied equally, grace given equally. We need saving from this. And guess what? You're not alone in this. You may slide towards this. But can I tell you, there's a little force that's pushing you this way. It's the accuser, the Satan. He wants 
us to do whatever, do this whenever we tell a story about someone else. He wants us to live in the premise to be of accusations because he is the great accuser. He is the accuser of the brethren. Do not forget that and he will use you as a part of that. When somebody offends me, somebody maligns me or somebody does something that I don't think is right, guess what we say to ourselves? I can't trust her. He's always only in for, for himself. People are always going to lie to you. These are lies. These are words from the evil one to f- backfill in this space where we need to give grace. The devil wants our stories to be rooted in accusation. But God wants our stories to be rooted in love. Love. Because what do actually accusations do? Accusations erode marriages. They erode friendships. They create divides in churches. And that's why Paul says in Ephesians 4, 2, let it all be in love. He says this, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of what? Because of your love. Because of your love. They're not going to know us by how correct we are. The world's going to know us by how we love one another, how we give grace and we're compassionate for one another. Remember, you're going to be offended. It's inevitable. But living offended is a choice. Here's a truth for your head and your heart. Your, Your life is too short and your calling too great to be offended by something small. Let me say it again. Your life is too short and your calling too great to be offended by something small. Your calling is by God himself to show his love. Your life is too short to have your calling to be offended by something too small. Imagine if Jesus were easily offended. Now think about this. Matthew, you weren't paying attention to my sermon. I said, blessed are the meek, and for they'll inherit, you didn't even write it down, right? I healed 10 lepers, and only one came back. Nobody cares for me. Nobody appreciates me. I raised the dead. I didn't just open blind eyes. I raised the dead. Now think about this. Jesus walked through life knowing who he was. Thomas. Always doubting. I just can't count on him. Being offended is inevitable. But living offended is a choice. Proverbs 19 is so powerful to this. Listen to this. A person's wisdom yields patience. It's to one's glory. To do what? To what? Overlook an offense. To overlook an offense. Uh, Whoa. The word overlook in the Hebrew language is the word avor, and it means to pass over. It means to to get up above, uh, to transcend. Life is too short. Your calling is too great to be offended by something so small. Get over it. Uh, Just say to yourself, I'm over it. I'm on top of it. My mission is more important than this. My calling is greater, and I'm over this. Someone's rude to you, I'm over it. Somebody caught you off in traffic, I'm over it before it even starts. 
Your mother or mother-in-law corrects your kids again? You're over it. Just be over it. Someone makes a passive-aggressive statement? I'm over it. Your spouse makes, the fa- makes fun of the way you chew, walk, or unload the dishes? I'm over it. I'm just going to do the right thing. Seriously. All right, I've named a few. Probably hit somebody there. Right? It's to, it's to one's glory to overlook an offense. Sometimes, and I've had this happen, people say, man, you and Kathy have just this wonderful, amazing marriage. And, and they'll say, do you, do you know this? And I'm like, yeah, I, I know this. I, I really believe this. We do have an incredible marriage. But can I tell you something? There are some incredible discussions behind our doors. They are heated. They're intense. Uh, We have significant differences of opinions. We sometimes differ on our, we've differed on our philosophies of parenting. And even to this day, there are some differences. Sometimes I'm more strict and she's more lenient and vice versa. She even has words about how I should lead the church. Could you imagine? And we get into these arguments. But let me tell you, they're bathed in love. There's a decision made. They're bathed in love because love doesn't seek to win the argument. It seeks to protect the relationship. Friends. Church, in our effort to be right, some of you have forgotten to be loving. I have never seen anyone better at overlooking than my own wife. It is amazing. I'll be short with her. I'll be harsh with her. And she just keeps on going. She just chooses to overlook. In fact, this grace has changed me more than anything in my life. This kind of love has changed me more than anything. People coming to correct me, it needs to be done. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't change me as fast as someone kind of continuing to to seek the path of Jesus, living out love in real time. This is the key verse of us, for us all in this. How do you love people that are difficult to love? And we all have them. Verse 18 of Romans 12 says this, if it is possible as far as it depends on you, Isn't that great that God gives grace in this verse? He gave us the clause, meaning that sometimes you can't control what someone else does. But as far as it depends on you, whatever's within your power, whatever is within your response, you're going to live at peace with everyone. That means the person you're not talking to right now. As far as is it with you, you're going to do what is right. That person that was rude to you, that wronged you, that took advantage of you, as far as it depends on you, you're going to do what is right. Life is too short. You're calling us too great to be offended by something so small. And I tell you that because I can't undo what what happened. And I don't have another, uh, you know, I might not have another chance. Neither will you. But you have a chance to live out love to heal your relationships with your children, with maybe your mom or your dad or your kids, whatever it may be. You still have that chance. 
And when I tell you the assignment was tough at the beginning, I meant it because it's tough. Because you know how the hurt has run deep and maybe how it's turned into bitterness and you desire not to forgive. You need help from the one who is peace, who brings relational peace. And you're going to say in your head, and it's going to be depositive and reinforced by the, the accuser, they're not nice. They don't deserve it. They didn't apologize. And yes, it takes two to reconcile, to, to live and forget, you know, to reconcile completely, but not to forgive. It only takes one. It only takes one to forgive. And you can lead the way and to live at peace. I promise you, people are going to let you down. In fact, all of you in this room, I probably let you down in some way, shape, or form. I have may, maybe even this morning kind of like ticked you off. Being offended is inevitable. But living that way is a choice. And just remember, Jesus, who is, our, is the one who is our peace? He didn't tell us to be right. He told us to be loving. So as far as it depends on you, on me, on us, we're going to do what followers do. We're going to live by the power of the Spirit and live at peace with everyone we come in contact with. And it's my prayer today that for someone that you can receive healing peace because of this truth that's found in Scripture. It's for you. It's for me. So how do we do this? Let me go back to a point in the message and walk through our next steps. It's really quick. Paul says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So how do we live as a living sacrifice? Literally, how do we do this as Jesus did? Through a surrendered life, a life to the Father's will and the kingdom's way of living. That's how we do it. We live a surrendered life. There are so many people in the story of Messiah's birth, Jesus' birth, which we could name who lived this surrendered life to the Father and his kingdom values. But there's one that I want to name this morning. Mary. Mary. Her response to being selected to be the woman to carry and raise the Messiah of the world, what was it? I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. It's living in that surrendered state of being with him knowing that God has your best at stake. Friends, this is your day to surrender. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to do what only you can do. Do a work in our hearts today as you're praying. Maybe you're online or maybe you're in the room right now. Wherever you're at, wherever you are, whoever you interact with to live at peace with in every situation, whether it's the rude person out in public or the hurtful person in your home, if your prayer is this simply, God help me to live at peace, would you lift up your hands right now? Would you just lift up your hands? Help me, Father, to live at peace. Thank you. I really hope that that's everybody's prayer today. I want to pray for you. 
I want to pray very specifically for those of you who have broken relationships and really need the help from God for healing. Father, give us all a love that comes from heaven, a love that we can't generate from our own sinful, fleshy self. But help us to die to ourselves as a living sacrifice. Yet it's not us living. It's Christ. It's his love. Your love, God. Now I pray for those who are seriously wounded in relationships, broken trust, broken friendships, broken relationships with parents or children, those who are broken and darkness exists. We pray for the light of God's restoration in those places and spaces in your life as you surrender to living at peace. God, you're the God of forgiveness. And so we pray for miracles in this moment. Help us to forgive. Help us to rise above. Help us to let go. Help us to consciously, in the moment, choose to forgive. Help us to give what seems to be huge, like it's unforgivable offenses, and let, and let us give them to you, Lord. Father, I pray for miraculous healings and rest relationships that are coming to my friends and family members' minds right now. If you're a follower of Jesus, pray in and ask in this moment God to heal, for God to heal your heart, to, to give you forgiveness, not just once, but continually. But maybe you're here this morning and you, you don't even know the forgiveness from God that he wishes to give to you, the, the Prince of Peace who has come to be able for you to give peace away. You don't even know how. Can I invite you to surrender your life to Jesus this morning? The, the one who said, I lay my life down. He, he gave his life on a cross. No matter what you have done, no matter what comes to your mind of the, the separation, of the hurt, he wishes to mend your brokenness. If that's you this morning, pray this prayer from your heart. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save me and forgive me from my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow, love, and live for you because of the peace you promised and the peace you give. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we're grateful for those who have said yes to you, whether to renew their relationship with you and to surrender those unfor the unforgiveness, those places of, of disruption where peace needs to exist. Or for those who have surrendered for the very first time, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.